Read about the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by Russellville.com, The The Pro Pro Wrestling Wrestling Fault, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained Carl Anderson, Anderson, the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harrison, Jillian Hall. Plus 45 other short stories including Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Kamala, Thunder Rosa, Mario Mancini, Scott Casey, PJ Black, Carrie Morton, Sal Renaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Colby Carino, Bam Bam Malone, and many others. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville. It's where wrestling lives. Hola, fans. Bienvenidos al episodio 196 del podcast Working Fans. Soy el producer Joe. S-A-S-L, hombre. Ah, fuck. Hoy estamos hablando de... Fuck. I was supposed to do this in Spanish. I'm using a translator. I practiced this like five times before we started. So, Dave, now that you're here, we're going to take it back from the top because AJ ain't here. And somebody is cranked up on his dubby. That's that uh, beach and peach. <laughs> but hola, fans. Y bienvenidos al episodio 196 del podcast working fans. Soy el producer Joe. S.A.S. El hombre llamado Dave. Y hoy estamos hablando de WWE en Puerto Rico el fin de semana. Did it, bitch. <laughs> Five years of college Spanish. What you want? I put up a video of Rhea Ripley this morning asking people who thought they might like knock her off. And it had that picture of her slamming Selena Vega on it. And I don't know why I thought it'd be funny just to me if I was going to put down who would knock off the Bariqua badass. <laughs> just throw it up there and go, ah! see if anyone notices or says anything. But I didn't do it. I kept it. The whole reason I wanted to do a Spanish intro was we are talking about WWE in Puerto Rico last weekend, both for SmackDown and Backlash. Yeah. We're going to be talking the world title tournament. But one thing I really enjoyed, notice the dubby hat. I got to take it off because I'm sweating because it's hot up here in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I really liked about the WWE presentation last week is the amount of Spanish that was spoken, the amount of Bad Bunny's music and other Latin American music that was used, and mm-hmm. it didn't feel pandering. It felt like WWE was acknowledging, you know, the culture there right. and trying to lean into it. And I really like that touch because there was like, I obviously I don't speak Spanish. You all saw what I did with that intro, <laughs> but it was nice to hear it. And you more or less picked up on what was being said while they were speaking. Yeah, I mean, it was great. I think I would equate it to like, for whatever reason, they've always had to just make everything for the English-speaking fans. And obviously, that's their biggest audience. I get that. But, like, here, we were like, okay, it's wrestling. We know. We can we can figure it out. And we're going to let some of the Spanish guys speak, you know, the language of the island. And they're going to have a little fun. And we'll, we'll figure it out. We know who the bad guy is. We know who the good guy is. And I loved it. And I loved this rabid crowd. And I had this feeling going into this show. I was like... Mm, this is going to be a good show. Like, I just knew it. I knew SmackDown, and I knew this crowd was going to be the sixth man for it, and they delivered. Yeah, 100%. The crowd was awesome both nights. 
the I mentioned the opening shot of both SmackDown and Backlash. Yeah. That drone shot was an interesting way to get into the arena. The one thing I thought was weird was they said they had a late arriving crowd. And I I'm thought like, that too. That was the one thing. I'm like, what you trying to say? They show up on their own time, Michael Cole? <laughs> that Cody has like said that all the time. veiled weirdness. But we've heard Bruce Pritchard talk about the Mexican crowd is more of a walk-up crowd in Texas. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't determine their door until something like that. Maybe it's the same way in Puerto Rico, but they didn't give you that impression. They just made it seem like these motherfuckers showed up five minutes ago. They knew we had TV. Yeah. They did this It was an odd thing to mention because there was no need for it. Like, And when do they mention that? Because everybody's already packed. You don't point out the negative. You go, whoo, packed house. Instead, he's like, a somewhat late <laughs> crowd. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, so. you never hear that in Tampa, Florida. Like, hey, these guys just got out of their trailers, left the Walmart parking lot, and decided to come down to the arena for some wrestling. Yeah, it definitely sounded a little out of place. You picked up on that, too. I haven't heard anyone else mention that, but I did. Maybe they're afraid to, but I, I definitely heard it, too. I thought We're oh. not afraid to speak the truth here, and let's get in the comments. <laughs> Randy, not afraid to speak the truth, either. It was a great show. Awesome crowd in Puerto Rico. I'm hoping, I mean, we've seen what they do in Saudi Arabia. I'm hoping that this Money in the Bank event in London, we get more of a raucous crowd and we see these crowds that kind of, you know, represent the area they're from. We'll get those great English chants. It's funny. Like, not this isn't like, uh, you'll see where I'm going. It's like, like AEW Forbidden Doors coming out. It's a sold out show already, I believe, or close to. And Double or Nothing is coming up. And I'm not like, there's nothing like crazy that I'm excited. Now they could always build these cards up and stuff too. All in Wembley Stadium, sixty thousand. Like this, uh, that UK crowd, Money in the Bank, that UK crowd. You know, there is something about this domestic uh, overseas audience, this international audience that is really because they're so passionate and they're so excited. It just kind of translates. I haven't felt that with the Saudi shows next to necessarily. I think that's just more the way they're done at least in the past. And the Saudi shows are almost a little strange too because you have people there that don't necessarily look like they know what's going on with the event. You know what I mean? You have some fans that oh, are what like... What you trying to say about those Middle Easterners? They got all those robes. <laughs> there are some people there. You can tell they're just fans of the event, but then it looks like there's some people that are just probably royalty or whatever. They're just invited to this. And they're out there in their, you know, luxurious couches and beds and whatnot. And then you got like the other fans. But I'm just saying there is something general about these international audiences. And I know, by the way, in Puerto Rico is part of the United States, but or, you know, it's a commonwealth of the United States. But I just say there's something about these uh, international audiences that really makes the event seem bigger yes i really like the the latin american feel of it even though it's outside of the united states you got the full feel of their culture and we have a question coming up from randy yeah and this question is brought to you by dubby go to w.gg <laughs> use code fans working for 10 percent off and just like aj strange brew you can buy that Calio cream. I'm not going to be like AJ and tell you I've tried it yet, but it says it's a mango orange cream, and that is interesting. So before um, we break into the backlash discussion, let's get Randy's question. Let me pull it up here. Yeah. Is AEW Double or Nothing going to be basically a two-match show? I How mean, far away was, are we from Double or Nothing right now? Weeks. In, um, let's see, the 12th. Oh, yeah, it is 19, Memorial 26. Day weekend. Yeah, so 26 that weekend. So two weeks and two days. 
All right, so you got the. I'm guessing when Randy says two match show, he's saying the main event with four way and the and tag. It hasn't been announced yet, but I think a lot of people are assuming there'll be something with the elite and the Blackpool Combat Club in okay. a uh, possible Anarchy Rules match. I'm gonna pull up the event though to see if I missed. Right now we got that tag team title match with Mark Briscoe as the ref. You'd like right to see now, some kind of stadium stampede. That's what we got, those two matches. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know if he's talking about the tag. I would not be thinking the tag title match right now. Not a knock on FDR, but... And it's not even really a knock on Jared Lee, but is anybody, you know, selling a pay-per-view on Jeff Jarrett? <laughs> you know? I mean, no, it doesn't make any sense. So Yeah, it's I, a weird way they got to it by, like, making Mark Briscoe this centerpiece, and they're kind of feuding over it that way. He's great, though. I think over the next week or two... We're going to see more matches announced, and it's going to become a bigger card like that. Now, thoughts on Don Callis turning on Kenny Omega? Yeah, I saw it coming. I liked it. You know, Don's just always plays that sleazeball. And with Kenny and the Bucks being fan favorites, Don kind of didn't really fit in the last few months, I thought. So, you know, kind of eventually had to happen. Yeah, they're so linked together over the years that there was going to be a turn at some point. You know, it happened when it happened. Maybe we'll see it develop into something for double or nothing. Maybe. You want to bring out some of this WrestleMania backlash here? Yeah. Oh, you talking Here's about WrestleMania backlash? I'm ready to talk about WrestleMania backlash. <laughs> that <laughs> commercial is so much different without our voiceover on it. If you guys <laughs> want to see that commercial with some of the funniest voiceovers, I think me and Dave have done to date, go on New Heights Wrestling, check out any of the matches we've commentated on there will be a commercial section and that video will play and we will make you laugh WrestleMania backlash baby <laughs> dave's about to throw this card at me like a galaxy grenade that is a watermelon guava lime dubby and that's the last of these plugs i know dave was waiting for it aj's not here this week so i had to be the pitch man and i don't like doing it so i got it all out of the way early well, I'm glad you did it. I'm glad Miro's back, Randy. We know you got that comment, but we got to go to Backlash. I just want to say, yeah, glad he made his cameo. I hope to see more of Miro coming up. But you know what else I'm glad it, this show opened up with Bianca Belair and Elo Sky, baby, because I thought these two girls tore it up. And I thought Sky in particular, when you talk about maximizing minutes, she really brought it. And also the Puerto Rican crowd loves Sky. Even at times booing Bianca, I think that, you know, this was more like they were fans of Sky and want to see a bigger role for her. And I hope maybe she gets it coming out of this. Yeah, this was a great open to the show. And I've seen debate on the internet. Some people don't know whether this match was better or whether it was Bailey's ass in those pants. I don't know if it's just the degenerate Facebook groups I'm in, the mothership, and booking the territory, but they were all about it. I liked it as an opening match. Mm. It, I wasn't as excited about this match as I was about others, but seeing how the crowd reacted to them got me into the match. Yeah. And really, You know, I enjoyed it. Crowd really brought it out. Second match, Seth Rollins and almost. This was a spectacle, kind of like we thought. Rollins did his job. He made almost this was the best match almost has ever had. I know me and a few other people thought almost would have probably won this, put him over as a giant. You're not going to hurt Rollins. And Rollins could still go on and win this world title tournament, and it wouldn't have been anything. Almost could have been a first challenger form of anything. But nonetheless, they still did a pretty good job, even without giving him the victory. I thought this was an excellent showcase for both. 
Yeah, almost looked strong. It was good that he was finally able to have the best match of his career and maybe shed some of that doubt that's been around him since he's came out. I'm not going to say he's going to be anything wild. He's not going to be like the next big athlete, but he's finally coming more into his role, I think. And it, it was a good place for this match on the show. This next one was probably my least favorite match. There wasn't anything wrong with it, but Austin Theory beat Bobby Lashley, Bronson Reed. I thought Reed made a good accounting for himself. We got to see him do a moonsault, but it's just, we knew what was coming. Lashley basically laid out Reed. Theory got the pin and it was what it was. So, you know, nothing wrong with it, but it just wasn't really anything. Yeah, it's one of those things like in wrestling we like to have some doubt whether we see an ending coming even if you know something's coming if they can make you believe that maybe there's not a chance of that but this like you guys laid it out last week and it was you know kind of in the middle of a big show with bigger matches mm -hmm. so i think there just wasn't a whole lot of excitement and you had other things that were going to draw your attention more on this crowd on this card this crowd being special if like we talked about they really did it for this next match short and sweet but real ripley versus selena vega you could see the emotion on vega's face and this crowd was all all about vega she did the 619 spot here she even did that little uh stereotypical where she threw like her shoe at uh rhea ripley yeah and the crowd popped for it and they have a name for it, a spanish name for it the sandals yeah the there. chancla Thank you. And yeah, because when we went to the post wrestling one, John and Way actually got branded from New Jersey, his own set of post chonklas. Funny. <laughs> I didn't even remember that. But I remember a few things about that day. But uh <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, the crowd really made this and they made Vega feel like a star in her hometown for what it was. But at the end of the day, as much as some people were gonna go over and some people weren't, Rip Vega was one of those who weren't. Ripley's the star of the show right now in the females division. She's body slamming Luke Gallows. She's a part of Judgment Day. And she's winning the Royal Rumble. And she's beating Charlotte Flair. Like, she's the one they're strapping that rocket to right now. And why not? She looks awesome. She looks like killer for the women. And it was what it needed to be. I wonder how nerve-wracking that was for Rhea Ripley, if it was at all, to get that victory and leave. Because you hear a lot about the Puerto Rican crowds. That is more a thing of the past from what I understand. But a heated up crowd is a heated up crowd and something like that especially when they went all in on the emotion with Zelina Vega so I was nervous about that but you know the right person won and it was handled well Absolutely. and I think that's part of what this event too is about is trying to erase that negative stigma about Puerto Rico from people's minds Sure, absolutely. And why don't we go to this next comment because it pertains to this next match here. Randy Osga again. Should Bad Bunny, Damian Priest, main event the show? Yeah, I think so. And that was the next match we were going to talk about. So See, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. It could have main evented the show, but say you put the tag match on last. That's fine. Bad Bunny, Damian Priest could have been that co-main event. If it's not going to be the last match, I'll take the second to last match. I was thrown off by the third to last match. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it's because of the level of star Bunny is. The fact that at least the Bloodline tag match had a lot of history and emotion going into it. I mean, Brock and Cody was kind of thrown together. To me, it doesn't make sense that it was the main event. And that's the only thing that really reeks of Vince on this card. Yeah, I think the thing is, it was such a feel-good moment with the returns and the cameos of Savio Vega and Carlito. And I even had to take a 
friend of ours who was watching this event, the Tesla, because he said, what do we need Carlito for? We got Rey Mysterio out there. And I'm like, who's this audience? He goes, oh, yeah, you're right. And it was a Puerto Rican audience. And uh, Carlito and the clones and Bad Bunny using the figure four, like Carlos Colon used to. And the bumps that Bad Bunny took that he doesn't have to took. And I'm sure there was a crash pad underneath that sit-out powerbomb off the stage. But still, all this stuff was just wild. Priest did a hell of a job. The crowd was into every single thing in this match. And the story of the match, Priest hurting his own leg, Priest picking him up when he could have pinned him earlier, Priest basically costing himself the match with his arrogance and his mistakes was the way the match should have been told. So again, great job. This might've been a late arriving crowd, but they arrived big for this match. They did. They did. I love it. Tag title match was next. Like you said, or uh, not tag title. Actually, it ended up being a six man. It was Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Matt Riddle versus Sokoa and the Usos. Story of the match was the Usos and Sokoa not on the same page, almost coming to blows several times. Good match, but the crowd, this is the only match where I thought the crowd felt a little burnt out at this point. And the Usos and Sokoa get the win, which I, we, me and AJ kind of called. We said they were going to probably be due for a win, but they're still teasing that dissension with Sokoa and particularly Jay Uso. You know what this crowd really could have used at this point, Dave? Something to do with W, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it, you son of a bitch. I bet you can use W.GG even in Puerto Rico. Use can- code fans working for 10% off. Uh, and, country, you know, no, maybe you need a VPN to get it. I don't know how Puerto Rico works. I just live in the continental United States. AJ told me to say all this because he is leaving the country. Mm. He is going to, as he described him, those islands which <laughs> i didn't like his tone when he said that very much but we haven't brought that up until like 19 minutes into the episode so and you know what else we're gonna bring taxes in the island rose versus brock lesnar baby the main event and here's the match that i think got people talking because of the blood and not because of the w <laughs> proud sponsor and they should be talking about w the blood in this match because we didn't see the referee try to put a towel over Brock's head. I don't think we need a rocket scientist to figure out why. He waited a little while to put the gloves on, people say, which says he's probably going, which is probably why everybody assumes this was planned. And by the way, this is probably planned. I do believe that. But I do want to point out, if I'm this referee and I see Brock Lesnar bleeding, I'm not really in a fucking hurry to do anything because I know <laughs> how this is going to work out. <laughs> they yes. probably had to tell him, hey, don't bother him, but could you at least put the fucking gloves on? So we're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I bet they started this and you're like, you know what this match needs? Blood. Yeah. And then somebody backstage, I'm not going to put it on an individual person, but somebody's like, Puerto Ricans love blood. <laughs> so they gave it to him in buckets. Yeah. That's and a I'm WWE sure Brock- opinion. That is not the opinion of the Working Fans podcast. <laughs> I bet. I just say what they're thinking. I could see, though, like, I mean, I don't know, but I could imagine. I could see Cody be like, man, I'd love to get blood, but I know we'll get heat and we can't. I could see Brock be like, blood, fuck off. <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay. I'll slam my head into the post. Fuck it. <laughs> you know, I got to do shit. Watch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody and that I- is doing shit is, yes, AJ is on vacation again. So I am going to be here with you this week and next week. Yes. Episode 196 and 197. We're creeping up on 200. 100. So 197. Next week's the 19th. 198 to 26. That 4th of July weekend. Oh, I'm sorry, that June uh for whatever and then so in the middle of june that we got it coming up 200 yeah think about that we've done so many episodes i mean i think we've said our fill about backlash i didn't mean to take it off backlash there but that's fine it was a great event (laughs) 
It's fine. Who cares? <laughs> like a week ago, this fucking audience. <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> Randy and whoever else is watching AJ, it better be. Let's go over here real quick. Let's switch Let's... gears. I'm out of tubs at W to put up and pretend that this segment is brought to you by, but Let's I will say I've been mixing tournament. W. Okay. Let's talk about that. Seth Rollins won the Raw side, so we know he's going to be in the finals. He won his match. Brock Lesnar cost Cody. We saw that come in. Great visual, by the way, though. Brock looking all fucked up. And then, you know, Seth beat Bauer in the finals. But tonight, we got the SmackDown side of things, and I think this one's the most interesting because you got one match. AJ Styles, Edge, and Rey Mysterio. First off, what a fucking banger of a match that we're going to get. As long as they give these guys time. AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, and Edge. And Edge puts out the video because he's just a smart guy and been in the business forever. And says, you know what? If I'm going to go out, I want to be out world champion. I think this would be the way to go out. And I'm going to do it the right way. And if I lose, then it'll be time to move on. He's making you think he's got a shot to win this world title. I'm not going with Edge. I love Edge. I hope he does. But I think... be AJ, right? I, I'm having a hard time thinking he's going to win that match. It, it could be Edge that wins that match, actually, I think. But I'm looking at his other match. Last week, Sheamus and Theory. People are going to be disappointed in me, but this is what I think. I think Theory will sneak another win. And then I think Theory will steal it from Edge. And then I think Theory will lose to Seth Rollins. I think it's another way of building up Theory, but he doesn't get it. But as I say that, I really don't like the idea of Theory fucking stealing multiple victories. I don't know. Maybe it will be Edge and Seth Rollins in the finals. I like the theory. I'm going to say the theory wins it all. Wins it all, even. Wins tonight and then beats Rollins. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, you never know. I mean, he was kind of the chosen one at one point there before Vince left. And now Vince is back. And who knows? I'm less excited for that second triple threat than the first one, though. That first one is so good that, like, that's got to be the main event. Put this other one on. Or that one's got to be the later one. Put this one on first. Get this shit three-way out of the way. Not shit three-way, but it's not as exciting as the first one. For those who think Cody should be going after Roman's belt again, my theory with that is Cody's going to win Money in the Bank in the U.K., and then Cody's not, he's going to do, because he's been a classic babyface for the most part. He's going to do that babyface thing where he says, I'm not going to sneak up on you. I'm calling you out. SummerSlam, Detroit, stadium show. And it's going to be Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns too. And that's where I think Cody may win the title and may lose it again at some point. But at that point, Roman will be over a thousand days. And, although, who fucking knows? Maybe Roman's going to beat Hogan's reign. <laughs> You know? It could be interesting. It's I like the Roman run with it. Me too. I feel like Cody's going to take it off of him. I just don't know when. I don't even mind if you keep making it something that Cody has to keep going up against mm-hmm. and keep overcoming obstacles. I don't know how you're going to keep coming up with obstacles, but I wouldn't mind a long chase. At this point, they've done such a good job establishing Roman. Unlike other matches, if Cody put his career on the line, people will generally think, Shit, Cody must be retiring. You know, it would take one little rumor they could purposely put out there, too, and people might bite on it. And, you know, you'd have yourself a very interesting match where, you know, everything was at stake. So, yeah, it's definitely other things to do. And, by the way, if Cody did end up winning the Raw title for a little while and they did get the rock for WrestleMania 40, you know, I'd love to do Roman with that big reign. And I want to say this. We're going off a little bit here, off script, whatever. But I was for Sammy winning. I was for Cody winning. I can be for all those. And I'm also for the long Roman title reign. 
because there's different aspects of things that I like. Sammy's run has been great, so it would have been fun to see him get his Mick Foley-like moment. Cody's the guy I think that could carry the company, and it would have been that great story to see him get the win for Dusty and the family. However, in the modern era of not even WWE, pro wrestling, I really like that we at least occasionally have a long established reign where, oh, this guy's just not going to lose it in two months. And the best we can hope for, like, it's a six-month reign. Oh, we made it for six months. No, this guy's on for a couple of years. Bianca Belair now held it for over a year. You know, I like that some of these reigns have the potential to go. Yeah, it's one of those parts of pro wrestling that I feel like older fans got a lot more of. Mm-hmm. And you still hear old people talk about Bruno San Martino because he was the mm-hmm. champion forever. Depending yeah. on where you live, it could be Pedro Morales. It could be Hulk Hogan. It could be Bob Backlund. You know, they had those reigns that people talk about. You're not going to talk about these quick flip of a title between two people. No. Yeah, and we haven't had one since the Hogan era, really. I mean, we're talking about going back to the i mean hogan was part of the 90s but his last long run ended in like 88 you know after that it was like he had it again for a year here a couple months here you know so a lot of wrestlers will remember who had good reigns but i mean bret hart when i was younger i think i think the longest reigns he ever had were like six months to 11 months you know and I was on something today on Facebook. They were talking about something that had nothing to do with Bret Hart. But it was just these people who hadn't followed wrestling in years. Like, back in my day, I like Bret Hart. He made wrestling feel real. Another comic, completely different guy. Man, I miss when Bret Hart was in. Maybe, And I was like, oh, you know, like that's awesome. Like, there's an aspect of Bret that, you know, people were But it wasn't that title reign. Nobody's had these long reigns since that Hogan era. Yeah, it was just the way he approached the business. And I got to agree with Randy. I think it... I hope MJF has a long run as champ in AEW. Even if they take it off him in a year, I could live with it because I believe he's going to come back to it. But when you have a longer reigning champion, it just gives them credibility and it just seems more legitimate. It's not, there's not a ton of other sports where you see titles flip flopping that often. Now, Dave, you're a big MMA fan. Is there a way to compare title reigns in wrestling to title reigns in MMA? No, I mean, it's kind of hard to do because... Yeah, you're um, actually fighting to win the title off someone. Right. But looking at reigns, do the reigns that the WWF tend to give guys, is that representative of how some people hold a title in the real world for you've seen? Sure. I mean, it depends, right? Like, And because, again, you're fighting real fights, you could have those quick turnarounds where people get surprised and lose the title in their first defense. Or you could have guys like Anderson Silva who have, like, I don't know, nine or ten title defenses. You know, they just keep going for years and years because it's a dynasty. It's a Roman Reigns, right? It's a dynasty. It's like they have this incredible run. John Jones. Bruno Samartino. Next week, since it's going to be my last, not my last episode on here, but my last appearance for this couple week thing. Dave and I, I'm actually springing this on Dave. So let's see the surprise on his face. We're going to do a little bit of real life talk, a little bit of wrestling talk, because I think me me and Dave have talked before about how sometimes the talks we have before we get on air, even though sometimes they might be filthy, they are far more interesting, not far more interesting, but they can be more interesting than what we talk about on here. So we're going to talk about wrestling, but we're also going to talk about ourselves a little bit. And it's going to be kind of a balancing pro wrestling and life, because I feel like when you're an adult that likes pro wrestling, there's explanations you have to make. You have to qualify it for people. 
We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting here. (laughs) Yeah, people talk to you. They know you like wrestling, so they see something that happens on wrestling, or they talk to you about their memories of it. So not going to be on a specific topic, but we're going to talk about wrestling, our fandoms, real lives, 